You're listening to the Fitness Matters Podcast with Paula B. And this is episode number 53, How to Stop Worrying. Well, hello again, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Fitness Matters Podcast, where every week we talk about fitness matters that matter to you. And this one, you know, I know it doesn't seem entirely like a fitness matter, but I will tell you just straight up front that worrying is related to your fitness and not just your mental health, but actually your physical health. Worrying is a form of stress. And if you have ever done really any of my videos where we're talking about weight loss really specifically, you have probably heard me talk about stress. Stress can be either mental or physical, but it has a physical effect on us in in lots of different ways. And I'm only going to explain some of them because I only know some of them. But I happen to know that stress and worry and anxiety, they're all of a similar nature and they all have a physical effect on us. When you have too much stress in your life and I I say that like like it's an actual number or something that you could truly quantify. Your body has the ability to cope with a certain amount of stress. And that's different for each and every one of us. And it's different even kind of on a daily basis because there are several different types of stress that we might have. Some of them are mental. Some of them are physical. For example, if you are exercising too much and eating too little, that is a form of stress on your body thinking a lot about stressful things is a form of stress on your body. Low-grade, chronic worrying or anxiety or stress actually can have really long-term and rather dangerous effects on our body. In the short term, your body does what it can to alleviate stress. That's one of its natural things that it's supposed to do. There's a process that your body feels stress and then your body relieves stress. This is all good news. Stress in small doses is actually really, really good for you, particularly physical stress. Physical stress in small doses is how we get stronger and how we get better. It's why your body has a mechanism for coping with a certain amount of stress so that it can adapt and get better. So stress in and of itself, not always bad, but but physical stress that gets relieved helps you get stronger. Mental stress, mental worrying or anxiety doesn't necessarily help you get stronger. And in fact, over the long term, if we don't figure out a way to not have mental stress or stop worrying or relieve our anxiety, that physical response of your body chronically trying to relieve stress but being unable to clear it completely out has been linked to some like autoimmune diseases and other long-term chronic illnesses. It's crazy what your mind can do to your body. And that's why, that's why I think that this is a very fitness-related matter. And I want you to understand that when I'm talking about worrying, I'm actually talking about, I think I'm going to call it normal worrying. And I know that sounds super funny, but there's like a level of worry that I think we all kind of do. And really this, this semi warning, 
It applies to every single episode you might ever listen to of mine. If you feel like anything that we talk about applies to you a little too much, I strongly recommend that you talk to a professional. I am a fitness professional, and I know a little something about mindset and your brain and stuff, but I'm not I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'm not trained in that way. If you feel like you worry, I'm going to say too much. Again, as though that's a number, as though that's something you could truly quantify. But if you feel like you worry too much, talk to a professional. What we're talking about today is is again a regular amount of worry. The kind of worry that we all have. I always considered myself a worrier. I was I was a particularly worryable child. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word. I totally just made that word up. I remember worrying when I was a kid. I remember worrying about my grades. I remember worrying about my friendships. I remember worrying about my family. I, I worried about things. I remember as early as gosh, probably I was about 10 or 11 when I developed what I can only call a nervous tick. I used to kind of, not obsessively because it wasn't all the time, but I remember when I would worry, I would pull in my stomach. It's it's so funny to me now. Like It's hilarious to me now because basically it's pulling in your core, which is what I tell you to do all the time. But at the time when I was a kid, it was definitely a, a habit, a physical habit that I did when I was worrying. It was, it was a tick. And I grew out of it, I'm going to say naturally, because I stopped doing it. And I don't remember when or how or what resolved it other than other than I just stopped and moved on to other habits that also weren't super helpful. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about like my young adulthood really specifically. I, I found coping mechanisms and none of them were actually really helping me cope. They were all just distracting me from the way my brain normally naturally worked. I grew into a, a young woman and an adult who who worried. I worry about my kids. I worry about my family. I worry about the future. I worried about money. I worried about my jobs. I worried about my parents. It was, honestly, it was just a regular part of life. And something that I didn't really specifically worry about worrying until until I did. Now, I talked about this in a um, a story video that I made on the main Paula B Fitness channel about my anxiety. And I, I honestly, I consider anxiety and worry to be very, very related. And it's why I've kind of interchanged both of those words, even with the word stress. They're all, they're all similar. And I'm going to get to how they're very similar in just a quick minute here. But I'm going to refer you to that episode really specifically of um, and it was called my anxiety story. I mean, it was, it's pretty straightforward, but I'll have a link for you either in the show notes or the description, depending on where you're watching or listening. Because I talked about how I, how I worried and some of the things that I did to help myself stop worrying. And I will tell you, my friends, there is a happy ending to this story. I really, I'm going to say I don't worry. And that is a really big thing for me to, it's a big, bold claim for me to make because to say that I don't worry at all, 
I think if I say I don't worry at all that I'm probably, I'm, I'm stretching the truth a little bit. But here's how I have managed to stop worrying what I would call all the time. There's a couple of steps that I took. One of the, one of the main reasons why why I noticed my worrying is because a couple of years ago, it got really bad, like really, 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 really bad. And I equated it in some ways with some of the hormonal shifts that were going on in my life, being perimenopause, really, I think, ratcheted up my worry and my anxiety. So I've made some physical changes to my routine. Again, specifically, and I'm going to give you a spoiler alert for my anxiety story and one other video that I made where I talked about how I gave up coffee because I felt that the caffeine was really not doing me any favors anymore as far as my ability to think clearly and calmly. I felt like it was constantly having me in a slightly higher heart rate, higher thought rate, slightly worried or anxious mode because of the elevated heart rate. Here's the thing that happens, you guys. Your brain affects your body and your body affects your brain. I, on the Fitness Matters podcast, we talk all the time about how your brain affects your body. But it goes both ways. When you are artificially ratcheting up your heart rate with caffeine, for example, your body perceives that as an emotion, as a feeling, because it is a physical sensation. That ratcheted up heart rate is associated with fear, anxiety, stress, worrying, all kinds of, let's call them not positive emotions. When your body perceives that, it can trigger thoughts in the same realm, in that negative space realm. Now, again, it goes the other way as well. You can start with the thought and then create the physical sensation, but the physical sensation can then, as like a cycle, create thoughts as well. Now, I don't want to get you confused on this because it's very, very clear that your thoughts create your feelings, your emotions. What I'm saying here is that a physical sensation, like a rapid heart rate, can trigger in your brain more thoughts about that physical sensation that will, that your brain will identify as stress or anxiety or worry or something to be feared. This is why sometimes when you are exercising and your heart rate gets a little bit too high or when your breathing isn't in rhythm with your heart rate, this is actually something that we talk about. We talked about it somewhat frequently when this used to be the Let's Run podcast. I would tell you how to regulate your breathing. When your breathing gets erratic and your heart rate gets elevated, sometimes those physical sensations will trigger thoughts in your brain that will then continue on the cycle of anxiety because it mimics anxiety when your heart rate is elevated. Anyways, that was kind of a long digression. Here's what we're talking about today. I have done some physical things to help my body not feel that elevated heart rate that my brain associates with 
worry, anxiety, and stress. I have also done a lot of mental work, and this is what we're really talking about today. Yes, there might be physical work for you to do as well, but today we're diving into the mindset, the thoughts that go along with worrying and how we can eliminate them. So number one, step number one, and I have three simple but not necessarily easy steps that you can follow. I I love having an actual proven process for this kind of thing. Like I love knowing that if I simply follow step one, step two, and step three, that I can actually get to the result that I'm looking for. These steps are exactly how I eliminated, I'm going to say 99.9% of the worry that I had in my life. Step number one, Step number one for me is always understanding why this stuff works. I love to know why. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand this one to you on a silver platter today. You don't necessarily need to do a whole lot more with this one. I love to know how our brain works and why it does the things it does. Like, for example, that whole physical sensation connection, how when your body does something, how your brain will do something. Well, this is how your brain works. Your brain is actually designed to worry on purpose. Like the reason we have the prefrontal cortex that separates us from any other animal on earth, the reason we have these reasoning functions is because this brain developed over, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of millions of years to solve problems. We as a human species are the only animal who understands the future And this part of our brain is wired to look for and solve problems. Because we understand the future and because we're supposed to be looking for and solving problems, your brain will decide. It will. This is is not an option for you. You don't get to just tell it, oh no, this is not how you work anymore. No, this is what your brain does. It decides to make a problem out of the future. Your brain is always looking out for something that could go wrong. And the future is 100% unknowable. We do not know what comes next, ever. Therefore, it is always a problem that your brain can look for and try to solve. Your brain really, truly thinks that worrying is necessary because the future is unknowable and anything could happen. Your brain is constantly sorting through all kinds of possibilities, all of them. And because it is really specifically looking for a problem, it is going to offer you problems This is so good to know. This, to me, was honestly one of the biggest reliefs of my entire life. This, to me, resolved a lot of my worrying in and of itself. This is how your brain works. So often, worrying pretends to be very necessary. We think, because we're not really aware of what your brain is doing and why, we simply think... Oh, well, of course I should worry. I mean, you know, if if something could come along that would be terrible, of course I should worry about that because then I'm, what, prepared? 
you're not prepared, <laughs> my friend. Even when we think of worst case scenarios and we do have like a disaster plan available to us. Yes, that's moderately helpful, but then spending any more time on it than that, it reduces the level of helpfulness that thinking about the future and worrying about the future actually is to you. Because again, that low-grade chronic stress response is doing you more harm than the good that might come from being prepared for a worst, worst case scenario. Your brain really feels like it's being helpful when it worries. But when you understand that these are just thoughts, the same as any other thoughts we have, that takes away some of the legitimacy. It takes away some of the, oh, well, this feels very factual to me. The thing is, the fact is, because we can't know the future, there are no facts. Everything that you think about the future is an opinion. I'm going to say that again for those of you who have listened to the Facts versus Opinions episode. And if you haven't, of course, I'm going to refer you to it because it really is like one of the biggest foundations of everything that we talk about here. The difference between a fact and an opinion is that a fact can be proven and would be true to pretty much everybody. I mean, it's a universal truth, not just something that you could convince somebody is true. An opinion is everything else. Most of the things that we think our opinions. Everything that we think about the future is an opinion. I'm going to give you a second to let that sink in, but I'm also going to kind of move forward <laughs> because because you might just want to pause this. It's totally okay. Let that sink in though. You do not know the future. Therefore, Everything that your brain offers you about the future is an opinion. Now, here's the other really important thing to know. Worry is an emotion. It's a feeling. Therefore, those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, you already know what I'm going to say. It is caused by your thoughts. If you don't know this, I'm going to refer you to the How to Change episode where we really discuss very thoroughly and I have other resources for you to to listen to to really understand the concept that your feelings do not come from an external source or out of thin air. Your feelings are always, always caused by your thoughts. And this is where I didn't want you to get confused when we were talking earlier about physical sensations. Physical sensations brought on by caffeine or exercise or something like that create feelings in your body that aren't emotions. They're sensations. When your brain perceives those, it might have thoughts about it that then perpetuates the cycle. Feelings that come on on their own without the physical stimulus of like a caffeine or exercise, something like that, come from your thoughts and are different. Because again, those physical sensations that we were talking about are from exercise. It's your body being your body as opposed to your brain being your brain. Your brain thinks thoughts that creates emotions in your body. 
worry is an emotion. So when we think we're worrying about a virus, an election, our kids, our family, we think that it's coming from them, from those situations. It is never coming from a situation. It is always, always caused by your thoughts. Again, those thoughts are created because your brain is being your brain. Your brain is looking for a problem, trying to solve it, trying to solve it in ways that it can't because we're talking about the future. So when you understand that worrying is completely normal and expected and it's just your brain being your brain, that that step one, honestly, for me, went a long way towards eliminating a lot of my worry. Because because I think I personally had added a second layer of worry on top of the worry. I worried about worrying. I worried that I was a worrier. I worried that I was worrying too much. I worried that maybe worrying was a problem. And then I tried to solve the problem of worrying by worrying about it. I'm pretty sure for me personally that that what step one understanding that this is just totally normal. It's just totally your brain. I think what it did for me was take off that top layer, possibly even top two layers of worry. And then it just left me with the regular brain being itself. And that's why step two is to actually start hearing yourself worry. We, we, all of us, we worry pretty much all the time because it's what your brain does. This is why your brain exists, to solve problems, to look for and solve problems. So we worry a little bit, a lot of the time. When you aren't paying attention to it, it's just kind of humming around in the background there. You're just kind of projecting, you're thinking. We think we're just thinking. What am I going to have for lunch today? What's going to happen later this afternoon? We're constantly anticipating what's going to come next. For example, I've already planned my day. I already already know a couple of things that I'm going to be doing, allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) That could change because it's the future. But we don't hear those thoughts because they're such a natural, normal part of our day, part of our brain we're not super tuned into them until we think it's a problem, which is why, again, understanding that worrying is simply a part of life took off, for me, that top layer of worrying. For you, if you don't have that top layer of worrying about worrying, you might not even notice how often you're worrying. That's why step two is hearing it. Listen to what you're telling yourself about what could happen. Sometimes, sometimes we really are projecting like, oh, I'm going to have a ham sandwich for lunch and it's going to be delicious and that's going to be lovely and it's going to fit into my calories. We don't, we don't think very hard about it. But what I want you to pay attention to is that other part of worrying that you're not hearing right now. Oh, I'm going to have a ham sandwich for lunch and it's going to fit into my calories. But what if I get hungry later? What if I don't have enough calories in the day? What if I don't like what I'm having for dinner? And what if I'm starving? And what if everything goes poorly? And what if I can't stay on track? And what if I sit in front of the TV tonight and have too many snacks and I go over my calories? And what if I never lose weight? And what if I can't ever meet this goal? That, my friends, 
is worry, and those are thoughts. Those are thoughts that your brain is having about what might happen in the future. It is looking for a problem and it is trying to solve it. But because the problem is in the future, the solution is also in the future. Therefore, your brain cannot solve this problem. This is what worrying is. It's simply spinning. It's going around and around and around because there really truly isn't a problem and there really truly isn't a solution. But your brain desperately wants to find a problem and a solution because that's what it is supposed to do. So it offers you thoughts and then you worry about a solution. When you start hearing it, you will probably be astounded. <laughs> Honestly, I was. When I, I was aware of a level of worrying, again, because I was worrying about it. So I was aware of approximately, sort of, how much I was worrying. But I also, on a very real basis, was not. I, I really, truly had no idea how much I was worrying until I started step two of hearing it. When you start listening for it, simply pay attention. And that's all there really is to this step too. Like just hear it, acknowledge it. Oh, hey, I'm totally worrying about the future again. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. All right. Duly noted. You might enjoy journaling as part of step two. You might enjoy doing some kind of like meditation or some kind of some kind of actual practice where you stop and listen in on your thoughts. There are, there are lots of ways to approach this, and I'm not going to delve too deeply into any of them right now. It, I'm going to leave it at step two, hear these thoughts, and I'm going to let you kind of, kind of figure out for yourself what's the best way to go about this, because here comes step three, and this is the part that really, really changes everything. Once you've started hearing how much you are worrying and what you're worrying about, step three is the thing that truly eliminates it because I'm going to give you homework, my friends. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Step three is to imagine instead of what could go wrong, imagine what could go right now, this is going to take a real effort on your part. Again, your brain's natural default is to look for a problem. But here's the other amazing thing about your brain. Your brain is so incredible. It's insane. Your brain can imagine anything. Anything. Your brain can imagine things that don't exist, obviously. I mean, we've already covered this. It imagines things happening in the future that don't already exist, and it perceives those things as being dangerous and therefore tries to resolve them. But your brain can also perceive and imagine good things happening. So here's what I want you to do. When you notice how many worrying thoughts you are having, Put, I'm going to say a quantity on it. Put a number on it. Oh, I spent 30 minutes today worrying about this, that, or the other thing. Trust me, it's actually probably more than that, but that's what we're going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> when you have a quantity or a duration or some kind of, of number put on it, I want you to, on purpose, spend that same amount 
of either time or effort or number of thoughts or whatever on imagining the best case scenario. This is harder than you think. I mean, that's so nicely. When I first started practicing this, it felt incredibly uh, just difficult. It, it felt like unnatural it, because, because frankly it is. We don't often ruminate on the best case scenario because it's not really a problem to solve. It's not your brain's default. It's not your brain's go-to. But because you are indeed capable of it, practice it. This is a skill. This is a skill like any other skill. And this skill pays off in spades. When you find yourself worrying what's going to happen to my kid, what's going to happen to my house, what's going to happen to my body, what's going to happen to whatever, listen to those thoughts, understand that it's just your brain being your brain, and then decide what else could happen. Choose what else could happen. Think deliberately about what else could happen. Well, this could actually go quite well. Things could turn around. Things could be very different. Or, or, and I'm thinking really specifically, here's, here's a really specific example that didn't have, that didn't have a turnaround best case scenario. When my sister was dying, I worried constantly that she would die. And, and she was going to, I mean, I mean, she had terminal cancer. There was no, I'm going to hope for a cure that doesn't exist. I'm going to hope that there will be remission that is not on the table here. I'm not going to hope that, that something will magically happen and she won't have cancer anymore. That simply wasn't going to happen. And thinking best case scenario, like, oh, she lives forever. It wasn't going to be helpful in that really specific situation. There are times when we know that some things are coming in some manner, Uh, really specifically death. Death is coming for all of us, my friends, at some point in time. So my best case scenario that at the time I didn't, I didn't have access to, but my best case scenario imagining might have been something along the lines of Here's how I'm going to handle this. Here's how I would like to feel and be in the world. That is actually something that I am working on right now is the best case scenario of what could happen after my sister died. I could handle it in the ways that I've handled it. I could go through the grief. I could share my grief process. I could go through this self-development, self-improvement process with myself, and I could share that with you. I could come to a deeper and better understanding of myself and my brain and sadness and worry and all other kinds of thoughts and emotions, and I can come out stronger on the other side. This, what I'm living right now, is better than a best case scenario that I could have imagined at the time. When you practice thinking about the best case scenario, it changes your brain. It changes your brain fundamentally in the way that any skill changes your brain fundamentally. I don't mean to say that that imagination is like the thing that's the best thing in the world. It's, it's truly, it's just, it's a process the same way that anything else is a process. When you think a new thought, your brain creates a new 
neural pathway. It's, it's really, truly like walking through the middle of an unmown field. When you walk for the very first time, you're going to be trampling the grass and you're not really going to be able to see where you're going. And when you look behind you, the grass is springing up pretty quickly. But as you walk back and forth through the meadow on that same path again and again and again, practicing, thinking, new thoughts, practicing, thinking what could go right, practicing, imagining a best case scenario. Your brain, because it is built to be efficient, will get better and better and better and better at it. This is not a fast process. Listening to this podcast is not going to just cure your your worrying. But these three steps of understanding that worry is completely normal and natural, of hearing exactly how often you are worrying, and then practicing imagining a best case scenario, over time, you will get better at giving equal time to your worries and your imagining of the best case scenario. And then... And then you can get even better at thinking about the best case scenario. I notice when my brain wants to worry. And this is why I'm going to say I've eliminated most of my worry. My brain still tries to worry because, again, that's what it's supposed to do. That's what it evolved to do. I'm not going to override its natural function, but I notice it almost immediately now. And then I ask myself, is this really something I want to be thinking? Or can I spend some time also imagining good stuff happening? Or, and this is, this is a kind of hidden step four that I'm just now kind of in the middle of conquering. Or do I just want to let this go and let the future be the future? That is something that I am practicing now. Instead of spending time worrying and then spending time imagining a best case scenario, I am learning how to ask myself if I want to do either one of them. And I'm learning that I don't really want to do either one. That sometimes, of course, I still want to imagine a best case scenario. Sometimes I still find myself thinking worrying thoughts. But lots of times... I can simply remind myself that I don't know what's coming in the future. I have no idea. And therefore, any time I spend thinking about it is maybe not the best use of my time. That I can spend time focusing on what I'm working on right now. You guys, I hope this was helpful for you today. I I mean, obviously, I always hope it's helpful. But I'm super curious what, what you think about worrying. I'm curious what you worry about and what you might think about as the best case scenario for what you're worrying about. I would love it if you would share. You know where to find me. I'm online. (laughs) You guys, I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you again soon. So are you totally loving this mindset work and you really want to do it like, you know, every day in order to get your goal? Then my friend, you need to join the Get Your Goal group. It is my personal and private, very interactive coaching and accountability group where every day we talk about your mindset and we get your 
goal. You can learn all about it at paulabfitness.com slash get dash your dash goal. I'll see you in the goal group.